What's going on, man? How are you doing? That intro. that intro is cool. It's like you should have your own TV series. We're having trouble posting to LinkedIn. This may be a problem with LinkedIn. We'll keep trying, so this may be fixed automatically. Wait 30 seconds to see if not. <laughs> Try ending this broadcast and creating a new one. Right. I have no idea if we're live or not. Let's just see. If anyone is watching, please drop a comment in. And if not, we are going to refresh. I guess I'm going to... I'll open up LinkedIn so we can inbox each other. I don't know. It's live on um, my filter. I've literally just okay. on my phone. It shows it's live. Cool. Looks like we're rocking them. Anyway, worst intro ever. That's the second time this has happened. Um, if we don't get any comments, I probably will be a little bit worried. But, David, thank you so much for coming on, man. We have been speaking for, well, I don't know. I've been in, I've been doing this for the best part of a year now. And I think yeah. I met you very, very early on in the journey. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting with social media, isn't it? Because you end up in these little clicks like you do with school, right? Where you get used to seeing the same faces around the halls and you pass each other every day and you sort of engage here and there, but you never really have full on conversations, which is a great thing, but also a strange thing, isn't it? Because then you are, I've known you for a year, but we don't know each other. But you feel like yeah, 100%. We've never actually spoken apart from a few messages and voice messages and stuff. And I know what you mean about the clicks because I started on Instagram. That's where I think I met you. Yeah. And then thanks, guys, for letting us know. The comments are coming through, which is good. Thanks all for joining. We met on Instagram and I, I really felt the clickiness and still feel the clickiness on Insta. And you know what? It's exactly the same on here. It's exactly the same on LinkedIn. It's bizarre. I remember uploading some live once and some guy went, oh, is this a parody? And I was like, what do you mean? If you don't <laughs> like me, that's fine. But I was like, that just says so much more about you. But you, you had to go on and comment on that and i thought whatever's going on in his day must be really really sad and it's the same yeah. as that school click right too mm. many people spent their time trying to fit in on the hallways instead of just being yourself and we look back now at school and we know the people that were the happiest and most people like more were just themselves because you find your own way yeah yeah just like you're doing life just like you're doing business you know i i when I started, I'm not ashamed. I was to say this at the same at school. I, I tried to do something rather yeah, yeah. than just letting it be. But I'm glad <laughs> I do do that. In direction. Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. Um, Some people just don't don't admit it. That's the big difference. Yeah, and you can hit your fifties or something, right, and still not be a. And pain. then you realise. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're making comments when you're 70 on LinkedIn and you're bitter and twisted, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, we're going to talk about how to develop a high ticket mindset. And when I yeah. released the fact that we were doing this, I sort of prefaced it or prefixed it with a comment that I said, I don't like the phrase high ticket. Yeah. Um, and I think I didn't mind it when I first started working for myself and, and working in the area where lots, lots of sales coaches and business coaches and business mentors are. But I feel like that phrase just gets thrown at people, thrown about so much. And it's what turned into one of those ugh, like just horrible phrases. What do you think about it? I mean, I, I think people have it wrong. I think people use it wrong. Mm. I think it gen my psychology with high ticket is. If we're selling some, if I'm selling something that's high ticket, it's high impact for the business, right? It's a higher risk for the business. There's a higher potential change for the business. Low risk, low, it's a pun, low risk, low impact. A lot of people see low and high ticket as about the price value. 
Mm. And I think that's wrong. I think if, if you say now, okay, I've got a high ticket program, that high ticket program could be 10 grand, right? It could be 10 million pound. But if I'm coming into a business, realistically, there's a higher chance of failure, a higher chance of long lasting change, a higher probability that we're going to have to really change something big in that business. A low ticketed product is low risk, low reward, a punt. You're not really low decision making. Nah, just do it. Because you know that if it goes well, it'll make a little difference and it'll prove what you're worth. If it doesn't, we're not really bothered. And that's why it's so important when you're talking high ticket, it's not about, I think, the price. And this is why you need to be more effective in and around sales, business, marketing conversations. Because if we're going to talk about something that for you is high ticket, but you're going to have to make a bigger decision on, you need to be more effective in the communication and the narrative of what goes around it. Yeah, yeah it's the whole wrap of the message in it. Yeah. You know, exactly what it's wrapped up in. I love the fact that you've said the word risk in there. Yeah. Because the more Anything. money you spend, the more higher ticket it is in terms of cost, the higher the risk associated with it, but Massively. also the higher the rewards, the higher the impact, as you say. I love that. Um, speaking about price, yes, I see a lot of people say anything over $500, pounds is high ticket. And I, I'm like, really? I, I wouldn't even call that middle. Most, most people in business are selfish. They're talking about what they find high to price. They think that's high ticket because they've never spent 500 quid. They haven't even brought an iPhone out, outright. So the idea of handing over 500 pound, but think about it. Look at most people's right. lives. I'm laughing because right? you're right. Their the iPhone on finance. And this isn't against people on finance, right? I'm just saying, that how often do you put your card in the machine and spend more than 500 pound? If it's not often, then you feel 500 is a lot, mm, mm. right? If you're buying things more often, more frequently, say you've got a business and you're spending a thousand on this and a thousand on that. And the average is a thousand that you spend and a thousand will feel normal if you're only used to spending a hundred. So a lot of the time when people go, oh yeah, I sell high ticket. Do you? It's about the other person. It's about the business. Some of you feel it's high ticket. What do they think? Is it high commitment? Is there a high risk? And everyone's like, oh, no, no, I do high ticket. Just do high ticket. It's easier. No. Low ticket isn't an easy sale, but you still need to be effective at what you do. And a lot of the time out there, people focus on the money because that's what it's worth to them. If it's higher ticketed price, they make more commissions. You need to find two people a day and you're making a thousand pounds. Shut up. <laughs> I like love it. But that's the way people sell it, right? They're selling that dream. What about the impact it has for the other person? Like we were talking earlier about offers. If it's 500 pound and they see a high perceived likelihood of success, right? And there's not a massive potential downside, 500 pounds a punt. Yeah, it's it's nothing. I remember my, and, and again, I remember my first like investment in you know, on Insta. I mm. bought a course for 200 quid. Yeah. And I questioned the hell out of the guy who whose course it was. And yeah. for me... And as daft as it sounds, that was high ticket because it was a, a high expense because it was, I didn't have the money. I did have the money, you but I didn't afford, want to You waste couldn't afford money. for it to go wrong. Like in our mind. I could, I could have done it. No, no, not fair. physically, but you know, up here, if this goes yeah, wrong, yeah, yeah. judgment is this, is that. So there's a lot of other stuff that goes around it. But once I spent that, then I graduate to spending, oh, I'll try a grand on something. Before yeah. you know it, you're pushing five, six K into stuff. And 
now if someone tried to sell me something for 200 quid in terms of a course or something, I, I would I would probably, because of this high ticket mentality that I've obviously developed in the last 12 months, I'll be like, no, I'm not interested. It's got to be four figures minimum. <laughs> and I don't know where that comes from. Um, but again, it's our threshold, right? It comes it down is, to it, you're normalizing certain behaviors and certain like self expectations and yeah. justifying it to yourself subconsciously. Look at t shirts. There's people out there that are spending 300 quid on a t shirt, but they've got one t shirt. <laughs> so that's that again. What that's what I used to do. I, I would right. I wouldn't buy a, a hoodie that was like under 300 quid. I haven't bought any designer clothes in the past 24 months, I wouldn't say now, but I wouldn't even look at a 50 quid t-shirt and that's such an idiot thing to do i can't believe i used to do it and squander all this cash on useless stuff but again like you say you you set the benchmark for something a behavior or you know a purchase habit just becomes yeah. normalized but you you saw the value in it before and the only thing that's changed the product Somehow, hasn't yeah. changed you, so when we say before okay so you spent 300 pound on a hoodie and you wouldn't look at something lower but because you got more value out of that three hundred pound hoodie, you're at the pubs more. You walk different. You had an elevator. You brought confidence by having that to a degree. Not you, but in general. If you yeah. walk down the road like there's a lump of coal in your soul that has extra heat in it because you wear that clothes, those clothes, that can actually change your mindset. Should it do it? No. But it, if it does, then actually the three hundred pound hoodie is not just a hoodie. There's a lot of underlying things that go with it. And some other people, like now, we have a different perspective where we're like, I could have put that money into buying this or buying crypto or getting a better mic or buying a backdrop because we see the value in that same pound note to be greater elsewhere. And now that hoodie doesn't serve you. And that's the thing, right? You've mm. evolved from that served me for these underlying purposes. And now something else, that cash serves me better. And let's be frank, having a kid, but getting older, you realize there's a lot of things you start thinking differently. There's Not a lot many more three hundred pound hoodies getting bought. Let me tell you. Uh, so, going back to price, because a lot of this is about price. Yes. If I said to you, right, David, I've got a high ticket program. Yeah. And you came on a sales call. How much would you expect that that base level to be for coaching? Um, yeah, business. I think if someone's going to say to me high ticket, I'd be expecting anywhere from five to. Five up. Most people are not going to be pitching something more than about 40, 50 grand. I mean, that's a rarity. You're going to get people pitching that just because they don't. So, but again, I think we look differently. Certain people, where I shop, right? When we talk about I've got a convert of expensive where I shop for my training is in a different place than it used to be. But like who someone would get me on Instagram and get me on a call for a product or a service that would be high ticket is slim. Could you get me on a call for some copywriting? Yeah. Could you get me on for a service? But it wouldn't be high ticket. Because now I'm at a stage where, for me, I really want to be jumping through some serious hoops. So you have to not just not impress me, but I would have to know you before I invested into it. Because it's so hard now. So it, for me, it doesn't even come down to necessarily the price. If I'm getting, like we spoke about Paul Getter earlier, like if he charges 20K for his program, I would see that as high ticket because it's 20K. But there's a mm. lot of perceived value by that association. And every time there's a perceived value association, it brings down the value in your head. 
like if you potentially could get on one of his stages and speak or this is going to happen or that's going to happen. It brings the cost down in your mind because you can justify it easier. But I would say 5K above more being high ticket. But I also expect when people say it to me that they'll talk anywhere from 2K and above. Yeah, I, I'd probably put the benchmark at 1,500. Um, and as we just run through, you know, the 1,500 quid mark, what results is, what what is the impact? The risk for now, like, in terms of how much I've spent in the past is now sort of middle ground. Yeah. It's, I, would, I wouldn't laugh at that money, but I, I wouldn't like overthink spending it. Yeah. What's the, what kind of impact can someone in a mentoring or a coaching scenario actually deliver for 1.5K? How developed are you for 1.5K? Exactly. What's the risk? What, so when I talk to people about programs when they, they get with me, we've got the perceived likelihood of success. But then I have to look at a couple of things that are in there. Imagine if you're only 50% as good as you say you are, what would I make? Imagine if I only make 50% of the effort that I meant to make, what would I make? And if that worst case scenario would still be worth more, like two, 300% more than the program, then it's probably worthwhile. Mm. But if I think that I have to go all in on this, I've got to be on my game every day for three months, right? Like you're going to get ripped for some weightlifting competition. Or like, say, say you booked in for a fight. I know you did a boxing, right? Imagine we go, bang, you're going to have an actual fight in 12 weeks. You would want to make sure that that was, because you'd be so committed, but the likelihood of you not turning up is minimal. Hmm. So even with a bad coach at that point, you're going to squeeze every drop of what they give you and you're going to push yourself to the nth degree. Most people aren't going to do that in the program. So I think you have to look at the worst case scenario. And what if they're only half as good as they say? And then you know it's worst case. Because then if it goes wrong and worst case scenario happens, you're not annoyed. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And I've I've purposely came in and started investing, right, in some of these three to 5K coaches in order to just see what their setup was like pretty much and just go, right, they do this. This is what the yep. model like. This is how they deliver things. And that's that's been invaluable. It, it has. It's really, really helped me shape out certain things quite a bit. But you know what? Some of them were bad. Some of them were bad. Um, but that builds confidence, right? Because then you've got, my God, if people are buying this stuff and they're happy. Because some people, we think it's bad, but other people have used that and got results. And you go, well, exactly. Okay. That's what that's what my point is. Like, I, even though I wasn't necessarily compelled to do something, I still worked like I was training for a fight within yeah. those 12, 24 weeks, whatever it was. And I made sure I, I got results, but I can't actually tie a lot of those results back to anything I learned in some of these programs, which is, you know, it's, it's cool. Um, but let's go with the assumption, right, that someone is charging one grand or... Yes. Seven fifty, three figures, right? For for their service at the moment, and they want to develop that into something more. They want to become high ticket, not only in the pricing but also yeah. in the the model and the delivery. Let's have a chat about what those steps could look like. So okay. you've got a seven fifty program, let's yeah. say dollars pounds doesn't really matter, um, and we want to get that to that next stage. So I think when you're developing an offer to start with, the first thing you've got to work out is what are all of the pain points? So we go through and we work out every single problem, every single thing. Like imagine if 
you're never going to buy a course, a program ever again, right? Then we look at all of that. I'd forget about the first offer that you've got. I genuinely would at the start. And I would go, okay, forget what we've built. Forget the time and the effort has gone into it. Let's look at all of the problems our clients have from where they are now. Their wife hates them. The dog like drives them mad. They have to do this. They can't sleep properly. They've got low confidence. They always fail. Whatever all the stuff is. Then we look at the results they're trying to achieve. Once we've built that out, then I break that down into a series of solutions, which realistically will probably end up being three stages. Most people are not going to want to take it on. Now, if your first program was created correctly, that's either going to be the mid-range program now, which probably needs adding to to develop it. But for most people, in the same way, if you do martial arts, you, you get a yellow belt and you think you're a ninja until you get to the next stage and get your ass handed to you. Most of the time, people are going to realize that their core product was actually a basic level. So yeah. then what you work out is, okay, so they arrived at this place with this problem. I get them to hear. When you get them to hear, you are normally creating a problem. If I do a lead generation course, suddenly you've got leads, leads and you don't know what to do with them. Problem. Right? So then you go, what are the problems I'm creating but they wouldn't have seen at this stage? And then you go, okay, what's the point there? Where are they going to want to go next? And then you take the previous problems you've worked on, develop those into the right solutions, and then you bring them through. And to be completely frank, I would add something of a start when you're selling the low ticket, the 750, because you pitch the highest product you've got always, like if they're suitable, right? Yeah. You give them an idea where it is, and then I would downsell that to a starting point. So I always say it's like Elon Musk turned up to you. Imagine if Elon Musk approached you now and said, Chris, we need you. What would be your Elon Musk package? I'll fly to you. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll be available on calls. Like I have a Batman service. Literally, if you need me, you put it in the air. It's on a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. I'm having a roast to my kids. I will walk away from the table and I'll take your call. Then you add a value to that. So that's your big singing and dancing thing. And I talk to people about this offer and everyone's, oh my God, I don't want that. It's far too expensive. Don't need that. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, let's work backwards. Most people don't start here anyway, but now they've got a point of reference, right? That's, that's, our that's that anchor, right? Yeah, yeah. That's our ceiling. That's our price anchor. That's our Carrera GT, which we work off what people aspire to. And then you reverse it back and you find out more about where they are, what they want to be. And then you end up more than likely back at the middle of the earlier product. And I think for most people out there, when they've designed their course and their program, I try to say things in the nicest way. People design it selfishly. This mm. is what I learned. This is the journey I've been on. And this is where I am now. Now, that's great. But you might be a unicorn. You might be 5% of the population that learns in the way that you learn. So your product actually doesn't resonate with 95% of the people. I made that mistake, man, on, on one key element in my program. And I tried to import a software called Notion, which I got a bit of resistance from certain clients on. And that's an error that, you know, because I did it, I learned the hard way. Um, and now that, that taught me such a big lesson and where everything else was quite simplified. But now I'm really, really trying to just simplify everything yeah. you don't need the complex stuff um even though it was you know I'm, I'm a bit of a tech I, I love my tech i love my software love my apps um but yeah that's such a great point is selfish 
design is, is a big one. But we do it from the right place because yeah, we're at the yeah, stage yeah. of, oh my God, I've literally gone from here to here. My life's better. Like, look at you, right? You've got your business. You're having great results. You're spending more time in a family. You're working hard. You're playing hard. You're delivering. You've got a great path. And you're like, I want to bring people on this journey. That's great. But only if the tracks that you came in on, my train fits on. Because if my train ain't fitting on those tracks, we end up getting stuck. And then you get frustrated, I get frustrated, and the whole thing doesn't work. And I think that's the problem is most people are used to either selling one way, buying one way, and that's the only vision that they've got. And I think it takes someone, and this is why external co coaches, strategists are great, because they come in and go, okay, let me... Let me talk to you about five different ways that we could do this. And let me tell you about the five different situations I've seen and the five different good and bad results, because each one's had good or bad. And you go, oh, I've never thought of that. Oh, that mm. makes sense. Actually, no, the people I'm trying to sell are more like that or they're not like that. And that either reaffirms that what we're doing is right. So we get more confidence, we over deliver or you can tweak and adapt it. And most people out there have only developed the thing that they wanted to build because that's what they wanted, not what other people needed. Yeah, no, great point. And I like the way, you, you know, you're saying just you can get set in one way and one way of doing things and one way of selling things. One question I've got for you on that is, so you've got, let's call this your mid-ticket, mid-range yeah. program, this 750, and then we're going to try and get it to three, um, maybe, whatever it is. Get it to four figures at least. Would you, because I'm very much like have one thing, one yeah. thing and do it really, really well um, is what I try to help people do because a lot of people come to me and they go, well, I've got a course, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm building yeah. this out, I'm trying to do this, I've got a load of free stuff and I'm like, right, just completely simplify. Yeah. What do you What do you think about having, you know, would, would you keep that low, because the way you were just talking, it was like you would keep that mid-range, low-ticket, whatever item in underneath to downsell? I, the idea, so I say to a lot of people out there, some people could build more than one jigsaw at a time and be effective. Most can't, mm. right? And what they end up doing is doing a couple of pieces on each jigsaw each day. You've got to jump, your mindset's got to change. You've got to remember the blooming picture and you waste a lot of time between the cracks. So yeah. what I say to a lot of people is when you're, it depends what you've built. You could have something that's built that is very low resistance, but takes minimal work, but could be your downsell product that doesn't take any of your time. But if you find that the upkeep of this program is minimal in effort, but uh, sorry, maximum in effort, but minimal in results, then it's a pain in the backside for you. And yeah. that's down to each program. So I talk to people now, and I've got a great client at the moment, their program's 2K, right? And they're like, oh, I want it to be 4K. I went, what, what are you talking about? What, just ran, I want it to be, I want it to be a million pound. It doesn't make any sense. Like, is the value there? And what we've actually done is really different. We've took their 2K program. We've took all the hard work out of it. So now it's automated and it's already built. And now we made it 795. So now when she's pitching something, the new product has got some of that stuff, all the bits that were good in there, the accountability, the one-on-one. -on -one. Then it takes them, but now we fix this problem the next stage. But now you spend a committed time with them, proven them and committed. And that program's four and a half K. Mm. 
But then there's a big jump. And so the automated one out there, they pitch for four and a half is the primary they're going for. But if people don't go in it, they go, well, what about this? You're probably sat on the fence. You've probably got doubts. You've got concerns, et cetera, et cetera. We have another option that's out there. We don't really market as much. But this is, if you're confident you're going to be able to do the work, this could be a stepping stone into it. This could get you to A, B, C, and X, Y, Z in the next four weeks. Would that sound more of interest or is it more about getting the result you want? And if I know, well, what's that about? And then you can go into that. And if they buy, not only have you just got a smaller ticketed sale, which you haven't marketed, so you've got a deal, but then you're like, okay, cool. So tell me this. If in four weeks we've delivered on X, you got the upsell. Would you want me to talk, call you about this? And some people I know will do that and go, listen, if you upgrade to the full package later, we'll take 500 of that off the price. How does that sound? Cool. And then you can build in. So then you, you, you're having the deal in kind based off of that. And then they don't feel the commitment. But I wouldn't market that lower product. That was what I was going to get into next, because luckily that, that lower product fits in, slots in really, really nicely as part of the higher ticket, which is fantastic. Um, but surely there's going to be an appetite from that client at some point to go, I can't bother with these sales calls anymore. Yeah. Um, I want to, I know that works. I've got loads <laughs> of testimonials from both. I can combine them. Let's get some ads running. Yep. What, what do you think your advice would be then? Because we're almost now talking like forgetting high ticket and going with the easier option. Well, so, so for me and what we do, so I say this to everyone, there's two things that we do. Sales calls are a pain in the backside. They are. But for me, say, say, say I'm, say you're a potential client of mine. I know that you don't want to get on the phone because you don't want to be pitched. And especially with the name sales angel, you know that objections are going to get handled. So it's uh, fire resistance. Mm. All we've done at the start of ours, we use Loom videos for everything. So to cut down the amount of sales calls, strategy calls, whatever banner you want to put on it, inquiry calls in there, we use Loom videos now, which give them a run through so they don't have to have any objections. It gauges their interest. So that we then only get on the call. So then we get on the call with someone. They really know what we do. Mm. Like they really know. So we have an engagement in the conversation. We've got a Loom video, which is, it's a six slide presentation of, this is likely where you are. This is what we do. Here's an example of who we've done it for. We've got a website with testimonials on. And so part of our DM conversation is, listen, I don't know if it's completely overstepping the mark, I don't want to harass you into a phone call because, to be frank, we don't even know if we could fit. But I've got a video you can watch. So you don't have to talk to me. You can watch it at home. And if it's of interest, we can communicate a bit further without you having to go through that rigmarole. Would that be all right with you? And most people are like, yeah, cool. Now, if someone's took that video, they're either tire kicking they're curious, which is fine. Or they watch it and they go, that's actually really good. But now, because you've watched the video, you've got a point of reference to talk about where you can really get in. So you end up doing part of the sales call before you've ever got on a call. And it means you and your diary is not getting filled up. So I think a lot of people don't like the sales call, the phone call, because there's a lot of uncomfortableness at the start. But by utilizing a loom video, you take a lot of that pain away. Mm. And you can. Yeah. One of my clients has done it now with their this lower ticket 750 product where they're actually selling through the DMs. I've sold two in the last two weeks, two, three weeks, um, through the DMs. Haven't even got a call. 
Yeah, that's a lot. And then when you can you can scale that even further by getting an appointment setter or someone's handle your DMs. And you can have someone on different accounts doing different things that are in there. So suddenly yeah. taking that 35,000 foot view and going, okay, what works for me? For, for me out there, we have one major program, which isn't cheap. It does have solid results. We know what we do. We break everything down. Like it's a real thing where we work with you. They get me every single day on WhatsApp because I'm an addict to this. So we took all the pain points away. And I've got people now that will say, and this is just to carry on what we're saying, oh, that, that's too much of it. That's fine. Like go and do other stuff if you want. We People can go to our platform for 97 quid a month. You can do that. But if you want a program which is lower cost, that's fine. Like, go and do that, get more confidence, and talk to us later. We're okay. Like, we're not here to hound you. So we, I stick to my higher-ticketed product. Because for me, I know that's where we're going to get the lasting results from. Mm. Because we're not that's trying to transformational fix stuff, right? Yeah. We've got a 16 weeks every week. You're on the phone to me every day. We're voice noting. We're chatting. You're going into a sales meeting. You're like, I'm scared. What do I say? Or you're vibing <laughs> or you're having a... Like I'm on that. So I'll send 40, 50, 60 voice notes a day. Like I love it. Not many people have the same level of addiction to that I do to this. So that's not practical for most. So you have to look at what's my lifestyle? What do I want to do? What am I prepared to do long term? Because if we do too much, we'll get burnt out. What's going to still get the results for my clients? And then you work out what's the best product ladder to do that with. Is it one product to keep? Because I get confused. I don't want to confuse others. Or actually, is it worth having something on a lower cycle that will keep them coming through on a smoother cycle longer term? And that's where the big difference. It's not one size fits all. No, no, there's not. I agree. And there are there are cases where I'll I'll tell people to keep their lower ticket offers in if you know it's worked. If it's if it's not, yeah. then then let's not. And I love love what you said because I've recently just put together a sort of a whole journey. I think you know this this is how you can make a slow transition to high ticket is by engineering that journey before, during, and after the sales call. So before is where all the work, pretty much 80% is done. Yeah. And that comes through just having an optimized profile, making sure your content's on point, making sure your messaging and the, what you show up on lives like this and talk about. If we were talking about like, 500 quid was a lot of money then it doesn't paint us in a good light for when someone exactly. jumps on a sales call and we ask them for four figures um but i love the i love the video before the before the call as well that's something i've just put in place big landing page faqs i'm asking for I'm, I'm actively just put a new thing in calendly as well which disqualifies people which nice. is, is fantastic. The automatic disqualification now is doing wonders because I can see the numbers coming in. Last week, 100 inquiries, um, and I didn't have 100 sales calls last week, let me tell you that. And, but isn't it so – and the thing is, do you know what's an interesting one I've done? I partnered up with two other coaches hmm. that are very different from me. One talks really quietly, lovely person, and some people want that. So we've set a, a, a thing up between us. But I'll get on a call within 15 minutes. If I don't think you're a good fit, I'll say, listen, in the nicest way, we wouldn't gel. Like, you would hate me after week three. Or would you, we won't get the results and we don't need the business, but we value it. Would you be offended if I recommend you someone I think would be a good fit for you? And I'll literally do a WhatsApp message. Hey, X, introduced Y. We've mm. had a call, X, Y, Z, think you'd be a great fit. i done that. I got a big client from us, which is our 30K program, off the back of that. 
because some guy come message me and he said, oh, you spoke to my friend. You passed him over, which he was really offended by, but he reckoned me and you would get on great. And I'm like, this is the win. Because then if you get on a call with me, it's not do you win and I win or you lose and I lose. If you don't come with us and we're not the right fit, we'll make sure that you are at least one step further along the tracks by the end of that call. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great worst case scenario. It is. And I'm, I put that in my messaging as well. It's all, not not the partnership. I think that's a great idea. I guess that's sort of a separate separate conversation. But in my messaging, I will say, to be clear, and 100% up front, this is not a coaching call, but even yeah. if you don't sign up, you will leave with a ton of value because I'll, I'll like actively deconstruct and help people think about their offer on that call. And even if you just get 15 minutes of that yeah. from someone who's done it with, you know, with 10s, 50s, maybe even 100 clients in the past, you're going to get value at least from that even if you don't buy and with that recommendation as well i think that's great because i don't think one i don't think many people will do that so it's very rare to hear another coach recommend another coach or a mentor recommend a mentor and also for the person that you are recommending there's a an extra they're an extra inch maybe even a mile closer to being not sold to to buying off that person 100%, because there's a recommendation in so there. much weight right but yeah like, yeah like yeah you, but hang on, you told me to talk to him. Okay, well, imagine I go out and they come talk to you and go, Dave sent me over, Chris, because they think we'll get on. Automatically, if they've contacted you, they had enough belief in me to want to listen to you. They're just more open to it. And we live in a world now. Everyone's trying to compete. People are, oh, I was looking to hire an S coach. Okay, why? What would you like about them? Well, that makes sense. And this and the other, go and work with them. What do you mean? You... I mean, like, you're not going to pitch me type about two. No, I'm not here to force you to use us. You have a problem. There's loads of people out there. Go and find that person. And I, I, I'm a big believer. This might come across arrogant. But a lot of people that go off and hire someone else, because our program is so in-depth, but a lot of people go there and might lead us later anyway. Mm. And I'm cool with that. Yeah, like I've you, had that it, happen. Sales call. I'm going with someone else. Okay, cool. A few months later reconsidered i think i want to come and come and work with you okay cool. it's, it's also great for us or for coaches in general because i would say it's like a relationship if a girl meets a guy after having a terrible partner or a guy meets a girl after a terrible partner they go all the stuff that they don't want they also have a low expectation of people because they've been messed about so then when you come in and you say i'm gonna do this and you do it they're like cool and then they stay more committed to that so then they do the thing that you kept your word, I'll keep my word. And then, oh, you do turn up. Oh, you did send me that voice note. Oh, you did send that thing. Oh, you did give me that. And then people are like, I have a high level of gratitude for that now. Because we've all had bad things that go on and stuff didn't work. Or we bought a car, but it didn't work. And we see they become like my dad, who's the most pessimistic guy on the planet. <laughs> like, terrible. But he's in his world and he's happy. That's, that's a whole different combo. But... When people come through with that and they go to somewhere else and then they come back to you and they have gratitude for it and have an appreciation for it, because we stand in in what our truth is, hate saying it, and we do what we do and we're prepared to let it go, I think it's better for you long term. And if we've got a scarcity mentality, but we have, you've got to use me. 
people then get that gut feeling inside. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's, you can sn you smell it a mile off, man, I think, when because – uh, again, when I first started, I jumped on loads of sales calls with coaches just just to see what their structure was like. Um, and a lot of them were following. The, I could tell they'd all been through some sort of very similar, if group not program. the same group program um, with a script. And I, you know, it didn't surprise me that they were reading off. It wouldn't surprise me if they were reading off a script. And it was there was no, it was just, I don't know, been around the block a bit, obviously, but um, it was very old school, just narrowing those options, narrowing yeah. those options, and that's Asking it. Asking you a very obvious question. If we could make you money, would you? If, I, if you were drowning and I threw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Like, <laughs> make this weird mentality. Shut up. Yeah, so I always, I always say that I do the exact opposite in my sales calls, and it's not what I help other people with. I do try and teach them a bit of a formulaic sort of framework yeah, to approach it until it's you're comfortable, until until you're comfortable to step outside that and just completely be yourself. And you you still have a bit of a framework in your head, but I jump on sales calls now and I'll treat it literally like a chat. And I think but that's... That's because you're unconsciously competent on your skill. I, right? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we're not, none of us is sat here now thinking about breathing until I've just said we're thinking about breathing. Now we're thinking about breathing. Mm. And that's because it's just automatic. You're a professional, you're at your black belt level where the most simple things you automatically move to. And now you're doing the next level. And that's also a credit to the craft and the study and the experience that you've put into your craft. But your idea of a conversation, like me driving a car from here to the shop is automatic. We've all done that one. We don't even remember, ooh, don't even remember getting there. I don't drink, by the way, so it's not because I'm drunk. Someone said that to me before. <laughs> no. Um, but it's just automatic. You get in the car, you don't even think. Seatbelt, clunk, click every trip or any of that. Someone else who can't drive can't imagine that. Or someone who's done one lesson, even more can't imagine that. And it's a different level of skill. So you are being effective in the communication because your framework is so ingrained in you. But when they say something, we're not even listening to the words that they say. Sorry, people, we're not. We're listening to what they mean with that, what their tonality is with that. Yeah, you and can go that saying, level or five levels deeper, can't you're you? You're reacting to the tonality of the answer, not the words that were used. And that's the difference with it. And so when people come in and they're at the white belt level, the yellow belt level, they need to have the say this and then do that. They've got to do like they would in karate, right? Before someone throws a punch. And they look daft doing it. But that's the way. My favorite phrase is everyone has to be a fool before they become a master. But most people aren't prepared to be a fool. Yeah. Yeah. I love goes, that. You know what? If you want to go off and learn how to do sales and you don't have the unconsciously competent skills, go and work at a company for three months doing cold calling. Rip the band-aid off, get the reps in, leave and go, right, people, I'm out. My rhino skin is here. My 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 competency level is up. Now I'm ready to add on the layers that actually will make me effective in my job. And most people aren't prepared to do that. No, but I'll give you one hell of a backbone. I did it for a couple of years, man. 220 calls a day. Love that. Um, last question before we shoot off. And I'm really keen to hear what, what your thoughts are on this. What are the mistakes you think that people usually make when attempting to change or even ch start charging a higher price? or for a higher risk product? What are some of the, let's break down and talk around some of those points. 
What's the uh, one thing people, that jumps out? Most people put their price up because they want to put their price up because they want to make more money because they think they're precious and valuable. With no change in terms of deliverables, transformation. They, just, they, they pull numbers out of the sky. So I'm gonna, I want to, before they've worked out the result they deliver and the value of that. So think of it like this. If you work with me or I work with you, we're increasing the other one's share value. Our value to the market is increasing for the rest of their life. So we can gauge based on the level of our increase on our share value to the market for the rest of our life. We can work out a price that's relative because it makes it valuable. Most people are like, I just want a six figure business. So I just got to earn 8,300. So all I need is so many clients. Not a single point has there been about what the client's going to get. Mm. So they go, okay, so why don't you do this? Why don't you do a 4K program? Because then you only need to get 2.5 clients, right? And start it at 2K. And then once you feel more comfortable, just up your price. No. Why don't you find a product that's going to deliver 15K's worth of value in the next three months? Then give people an opportunity to come in at the earlier stage. And then work out what you're going to add and what you're going to do and what you're going to over deliver on to get that structure. That's hard, though, because when I work with people, I always recommend they'll probably come in with an offer that either they yeah. don't have an offer or they'll come in with a three figure offer, maybe. Or maybe it'll just be a grand. So I yeah. will always say to the people that don't have an offer or a three figure offer, it's got to be four figures minimum for yeah. confidence reasons for you to actually begin to make some money um, yeah. and also to premiumize it. Now, we will up the value. But how, how would you go about matching value with cost? Because even though what you just mentioned is, you know, increasing share value and, and trying to work out how much sort of delayed value you have, that's yeah. a tough equation. It is a tough equation, but only because people are trying to sell something they haven't sold before. So they don't understand their value. When people have come from a sales background, if you've sold a product that's 50K, you have no problem letting 50K come out of your mouth. Yeah, Most people have that's never part of my reason them. with the four figures thing. Yeah, they've never had it come out of their mouth. I have people now, which I'll talk to about stuff, and I'll say, even if you haven't got a 10K program, get used to talking about 10K. In your mind, have I'm going to have a 10K program come out in the next year. And when you talk to people on the phone, they say, hey, Chris, listen, whether we work today, together today or not, in a year's time, we're going to have a program. It's going to come out about £10,000. And you're going to wince when you say it. And I'd love, even if we don't work together now, but we stayed in touch and we talked to you about that in a year because I remember I'd prove it. Right? But let's get a jump. It's just come out of your mouth in a conversation. Because it's come out of your mouth once, when you talk about a 1000 or 4000 it feels more comfortable. And that's the hardest part for most people. But if we're working about the cost to the value, work out what is the value to their life. Because it might not be how much money they've made, but you might make them a better husband, better wife. It might give them more time. It might give them That's more That's why focus. I'm saying might... this is a hard equation. If you can... I don't think it is that hard because what value do they put on that? Like if, if someone says to me now, like I could work 15 hours a week less, 20 hours a week less, still do pretty darn well. I don't need to. Like I said earlier, I get up at five. I love what I do. So that time in the morning, just wasted time. I'm not going to be in bed asleep. So someone give mm. me back that time. I can have that time now and I choose not to. So there's no value in that for me. But if there's something else that's going to increase value, make me a better father, and actually go, okay, well, how do we gauge what's going to make me a better father? Well, what's going to be the difference of you now and the father then? And you have to go, most people are only going one layer down with stuff. 
And I think you're not going, people don't go down it far enough. If we're trying to impact someone's business, is it impacting your business for your next five clients? Is it enabling well, you to scale with the, the Let's stick with the less tangible stuff like becoming a, a better father. This is where I'm okay. interested to hear. This is where I think it is a hard equation because there is no financial return. <laughs> there could be if you know if one of your kids gets famous, but there's no financial return on being a better father. So how do you turn that into a, val a financial value is my question. I don't know. I think there is. I think for me, if you take my kids away from me now, my life would be very soulless. Everything that I do is around them. And if mm. I wake up in the morning and I'm being a better dad, I do better. When I work and I don't want to work hard, I imagine my kids sat at a thing watching me. So I think by me being a better father, every area of mine goes up. Like I think I had far, I, I think my whole reason for everything I do is about the impact and the impression I leave. My platform I have now, when I die, that will, like many moons away, that will be something which will be inherited to my kids that will provide them with an income. All that, think of all the stuff we're creating now. If you create something truly evergreen now, you could, in theory, that could be helping pay your kids' daughter's university costs. There's a lot that goes into this. And a lot of the time out there, we only go one level deep because that's all we've ever done. But when we really sit down and go, well, actually, what is a better father? What's the impact that would have on my daughter? What would be the difference in her relationships? What's the difference of respect my son will have for other people? How would he treat people differently when he meets them? What would he put up with? What would his values be? There's a lot of value that goes into that, which you can really gauge. And I yeah, think there really is. But how do we tie that to find like the cost? I've got I've got a program that will make you a better dad. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna impact your son's life, your daughter's life. It's gonna impact your business. Things uh, your revenue is gonna go up. We don't yeah. know how by how much. In fact, ignore the business thing. Mm -hmm. I think. I think when we're looking at that, that's not down to the fact of how much value it is now. I think that's you for having the right avatar for the people that value those things. I think if yep, we have to yep, explain, definitely. I think if you go explain the value that that brings, someone like Ashley's just putting it out. You're talking sense here. Perfect avatar, right? He can see that the value is there in his soul. He can see it. The people that don't see it, don't see it. And they're not probably the right person to buy that product. So yeah. then you're, you're stuck. Most people, we can have that with any product. There's people out there that look at a Ferrari and go, that is ridiculous. Like it's obscene, there's poverty in the world, and da, 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 da. And there's other people going, that's one of the most beautiful pieces of equipment. But I, I have rented out um, an E-Type Jag for my dad for his, whatever, his 70th. He literally nearly cried. Because it's like yeah. everything. It meant so much to him. Yeah. Right? There's other people that would walk past that and go, what pack of crap. We, the value is in the eyes of the beholder and it's got to be understanding who our people are and then you work out what the value is going to be to them and the narrative that goes into it. Any so how we do we work that out? Let's say, let's say I know Ashley's on, on the call with yeah. us, with you. You sell, he, We know he's a dad. We know he sees the value in it. How do yeah. we turn that into a financial and put that into a financial statement or a number? Prices are pulled out of the air. Let's be frank, prices are pulled out of the air and then they're based on the people you're going to sell it to, their affordability in relation to what it is. 
if we go out to Uganda with a £10,000 product or we go to Beverly Hills, you could take the same person with the same values, the same, but their bank balance can depict what they deem as being valuable in it. And I think mm. a lot of the time when we talk about prices, prices are picked out of the air. But if we're going to justify it, for me, someone if someone pitched you right on a 20K program but would make you the best father in your daughter's eyes, and when you looked in your daughter's eyes that night and you were like, I want that, you would see the value. Someone else wouldn't. And I don't think you can work out a metric on this is the precise return outside because it's an emotional value. It's not a business, do this, get a 30% increase in sales, you're turning over 100 grand, you're making 30 grand, we'll charge you five. Because there's no guarantees on it either. And everyone's yeah. going to perceive what being a better father is completely different than everyone else. So I think it's a very tricky one for people to do. Same with people when they're doing things like life coaching and all the other stuff. You've got to really knuckle down on what the impact is. And most of the time that comes back to a monetary sense because it's the most simple, you give me X, I'll give you Y. Where mm. if it's all fairy dust and feelings, that's based on our mood as well. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, yeah. some days with my kids, I'm like, I don't want to be a good dad. Leave me alone. Another day, <laughs> I like, stare at them. Right? And if we're real, we have those conversations. Everyone out there has looked at their kids and been like, oh, my God, you're killing me. But love yeah. isn't any different, right? So, that, so I think it's a very hard one to do. Very it hard. is. And I'm trying to look at this through the eyes of, of potentially – wouldn't say a beginner, but someone who, someone who's not done this before. And the takeaway that I'm getting from what you just said is you need to go out there and work out that value by having conversations with oh, that yeah. avatar rather than I mean you can yeah. do that and you should you should if you if you want to be high ticket you need to make sure you have high impact which is going and having those conversations knowing the pain points understanding how your and solutions you are solving them. them. In a new if you're doing it as a new program if I was going to go and do it today and I went yeah. off and I said, listen, I want to go and find, this is my, I, my ideal avatar would be guys that are earning from 60K above because actually they have an affordability. There's no point in setting a burger stand up in places where they can't buy burgers. Like it's just pointless. Yeah. So you want to go for your affordability. Then I would find a group of them and say, listen, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to develop this with you. This is going to be your rewards whether you're charging them a discount or you're doing it for free and you're getting something else. If I deliver on X, would you be prepared to give me a testimonial referral? Do you know people else, other people that might be interested? Or you do it with people that have got an audience, but you could go and, so then you, you're getting payment in kind that brings the results. And then you develop it around those people and you develop it around them. And most people aren't prepared to do that. They want to go to people and go, here's my new jazzy product. Do you want to buy it? Oh, no, you don't. Because that's what people think. Build it and they will come. No. Find what they need and get them yeah. it. And give them yeah. in abundance in a far greater scale than you've ever done before. Big fan of the live build. Big, big fan oh, of the yeah. live build. You know, I, my my the course within my program, the platform changes daily. I'll, I'll move stuff around, delete it put better stuff in and i think that's such a crucial thing but one of the hardest things to do when you're starting to put together a stacked offer where it's not just one-on-one -on -one, 12 hours one hour yeah. whatever whatever it is um and just having the having the guts and putting your neck on the line a bit to go right i'm that confident i can help people i know my own value whether it's been proven or not 
I'm going to have those conversations. And I didn't go out there and, and offer anything for free per se. I just, I made the price um, enticing, but also the offer stacked enough for people to go. So good. Okay. But the worst I can case tell scenario you, is still worth it. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes exactly. And then then you like your abundance. And, and I'm still in that over delivery stage with my business Massively. where it's like, I will I will just keep feeding people. I'll be available all the time pretty much. I have two days I off a week. I send people voice notes because like most of my clients, when, I, when we come and bring them on, I'm like, do you, if I voice note you, do you turn your phone off at night? And everyone's always like, yeah, that's one thing. So it doesn't matter when I send a voice note because they'll only get it when they're awake. And when hmm. they first start with us, I know that first two weeks is their point of uncertainty. So I make sure that I send them a voice note. Day one in the big brother house. <laughs> this is what I need from you today. Right? Love Day it. seven, I know you're going to be miserable as sin. So I'll send you a joke or a funny meme. Little things. We can't put a value on that. But you know what? When, they, when we all woke up on that day and we're like, not this again. And we all have those days. If you get the right thing at that point, that is completely free. They could have got it off the internet, but they didn't. You sent it to them. That intention is what pulls that person through. And that will stay with them for a long time because then there's an expectation. And I think that's one of the big things. Again, you can't price value that, but also you can't yeah. discard the value of it. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. I think, as you say, the first seven days is, is pretty much especially if it was talking business or sales mentorship, you're pretty much guaranteed you're not going to get a client or many clients in that first seven days, right? So what are the quick wins that you can deliver to that person who you've just started working 100%. with? Because you need to instill that one confidence in themselves, but two confidence in you as a, as a mentor or a coach. Um, so I'm, going to try and get daddy of the year award and put my daughter to sleep in a minute it's the seventh birthday yeah, yeah, mate. Tomorrow, so. been great. Um, but let's let's just summarize those those mistakes so um the first thing is building something without like yeah. without having any testing any feedback just building, picking a price building it gauging value yeah as well not gauging your own value by actually speaking to people and doing a bit of market yeah. research again people are really resistant to doing that and third wherever possible not customizing especially at the start the yeah. client the, the client not the buyer the client journey yeah and making sure so. those first couple of weeks people spend a lot of time looking at how much time i put into something not how effective it is i spent months building this all right but it's still crap yeah <laughs> i love that yeah but I've spent years oh, developing it. I've had this dream for years. Okay, so we've wasted all this time. How much more time do you want to spend on it? Because we made and who deserves who right? deserves more accolades as well? The person that spent fifteen years developing someone something, or the person, the new kid on the block that's come along, done it in five months, and yeah, exactly. Is dominating. What's the result? If it's crap, it's crap. If Mum spent all day cooking dinner and it's a terrible roast, you do it out of politeness. But let's stop hang on the fact that we spent all day making a terrible dinner. Still a terrible dinner. But out of respect for the person, you treat it nicer. Yeah. Right? But yeah. we don't go, oh, well, you spent all day cooking it. It's better. No, we do it because we love you. We're going to treat you with respect for the effort you made. But too many people get caught up on, I spent all this time doing this. Doesn't matter. If it was wrong, stop. 
Like, if you've been going the wrong way for 20 miles, yeah, but I've already been here 20 miles. Okay, you're still going the wrong way, though. Yeah, you're, you're not going to carry going on. Every, turn around, and it's going to be an annoying walk back, but I'd rather walk 20 miles back than 21 or 22. Yeah. So there's something about sunk costs as well. Just because you've been working on something yes. doesn't mean you should carry on working on it. Yeah. The best and decision the thing, ever, and, and I've had to do this, the best decision ever sometimes is just to walk away. Get rid of it. That's what we said about the program earlier, and I don't need to go. If someone can have a program, but if it's not effective and it doesn't work, don't worry about what your idea was. If we now know it's something different, make that. Do that. Mm. Get the results with that, what works. And if that didn't, you've got something you'll use as a story later about your big failure. Make a content post about it. How I wasted three months of my life. <laughs> Savannah there somewhere. Yeah, there always is. You you learn in every every scenario, whether it's good or bad. Mate, I could stay on this call for I yeah, reckon yeah, so I did a family stuff. That's the most about important. four Thanks hours. So yeah, no, been a right blast. We'll have to do another one. Appreciate your time, yeah, brother. Sounds good. Nice, nice one. one. Have I'll a good see you soon. Thank you, too, man. Bye. Bye.